0: Welcome to a fascinating new episode of Entrust, Equipping Leaders. Today we're talking about generations, from baby boomers to millennials, to generations XYZ, even alpha. Host Lori Lynn launches the discussion by asking guests Trisha Lambert and Jeff Pertak to introduce each other.
1: Trisha, would you introduce Jeff to us and then Jeff, maybe you could introduce Trisha? So Jeff is
2: um, now on our curriculum team. He came about a year ago. Um, He just finished going to um, seminary and he and his wife, um, she went as well. And so they have a strong interest in education and especially classical education. So that's a rich um, thing that Jeff brings to our team. Likes fish. (laughs) He has a lot of fish tanks at his house. So there's Jeff. Yeah.
3: (laughs) <laughs> and uh trisha is our supervisor on the curriculum team uh, she also serves in equipping women uh, and a couple other hats uh, kind of a lot of hats <laughs> um but uh she, yeah she leads our team uh, well and um she is from texas but she lives in colorado springs now and so um we have that in common she also was a classical school teacher so we've talked about that a couple times so she just leads us well and is committed to um the values of interest,
1: and you've both mentioned something about classical education or classical school teachers. So, just briefly, what what do we mean by that?
3: It's just a um, it's a teaching uh, pedagogy um, that follows um, just a little bit different structure mm-hmm. than one that is normal in America. Um, a lot of it's dealt with. Uh, just rote memorization to understanding the why to high school being more about being able to talk about and dialectically talk about um, different subjects. So students typically are leaving classical education with uh, the ability to not only know information, but think about information. Um, And so that's just something that me and my wife are very interested in. So we tend to cling to those types of education opportunities.
1: Mm Hmm. So Then in Entrust, we're a little bit different, I guess. We would would we call ourselves classical educators or non classical?
3: I think I think classical education is more at the like the student like the young student level. So it goes from up to high school. There's some college uh, classical education colleges, but I think what we have in common with classical education at Entrust is our ability to uh, we call it in, in classical education we call it Socratic method uh, the the ability to ask questions. Which, if we take any of our courses, you understand that um, we're all about question asking um, and allowing the student to drive um, education in in that in that way. I mean, uh, with classical education, there there's uh, changes in age, right? So every age is teaching different, but we still have those same uh, patterns of Socratic method, um, the ability for the student to lead um the conversation without um necessarily having a teacher stand up in front of them and lecture for a while
1: okay good to know that and as you say it changes with age and we are getting into age a little bit as we talk <laughs> about generations who are all adults but vastly different um i know i'm pretty sure i'm one of the i'm not even young but i'm one of the youngest of the baby boomers if that generation mm-hmm. is defined as 19 born in between 1946 and 64 then yes, I'm right at the end of that eight <laughs> year. So I'm a I'm a boomer. May I ask you both which generation you land in? So I would also be a boomer, okay.
3: And I fall at the younger end of millennial.
1: Okay, so, so baby boomer is 46 to 64. What are the rest of the delineations of all these next categories?
3: Gen X is gonna be, um after boomer and then millennial and then um gen z and then gen alpha which is new (laughs) the gen x is typically said
2: to be between 1965 and 1980 and Mm -hmm. then the millennials would pick up in 81 and go through 96 Mm -hmm. and z would be around 97 to 2012. And then our gen alphas are our youngest kids right now, and they're from 2013 to 2025. So they are almost
1: all here, but they're still Mm -hmm. being born. (laughs) A few of them aren't even here yet as we speak in 2023. Yeah. we will have a new category after that yet
2: again. It will be beta. They're just kind of going through the Greek alphabet. So they have those generations defined, (laughs) and also gamma would be the following them. The years can shift a little bit because there's cultural influences mm-hmm. that kind of give us some guidelines
1: on when these generations take place. And it it's interesting, it seems as though the generations are getting uh, narrower in terms of the year span, right? Yes. 36 to 64 was a, a, a few mm-hmm. decades, but it's less and less time for each generation mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do then like say millennials, gen... X and Z then, and who you mentioned, how do they all learn or what are the differences in how they learn? I'll let Jeff speak first since he is a
2: millennial, then I'll tell him who he is. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, When you think about uh, just like, like millennials, Gen Z, we're, we're seeing a shift of really a shift in like, what is the purpose behind the learning? Um, right. It's no longer. And, and and not that this is all that was happening with Boomer and before that, uh, we do see a shift of like, I'm going to learn what I need to learn to, to do what I need to do. Right. So um, that's why we see some students a lot of times not lean towards certain subjects. They lean towards just the ones that they think will practically work for them. And we see this a lot in millennials. Um, that's why we have a lot of like trade school shifts, things of that nature, um, students leaving traditional education to seek other types of education uh, with the millennials and Gen Z's just that exacerbated, right? They they are um, what we call the king of the side hustle, right? They're, they want to find... 10 different ways to do what they need to do and that's their focus. So they no longer need traditional education to do it, right? Um, And so, uh, yeah, I I would say like the main difference between boomers and those younger generations, X is a little difficult (laughs) because um, they don't get much, um, they're between two very strong generations and so they're a little quieter. Um, And so typically, as soon as we started, shifting things towards Gen X, Millennials hit and everything changed. Uh, they say Millennials' main motivation safety most of the time. And so trying to be safe, uh, not safe, but like trying just to be okay. <laughs> and so we're just trying to figure out uh, what we need to learn, um, right? And what what will actually impact us. So do I need to take certain things that I won't ever use? Or should I just take things that I know I will use? That's my understanding interpretation, right? Uh, Everybody has a different interpretation of the generations just because um, though Millennials Hall might have the same motivation, we all show that motivation in different ways.
2: Right. It's really hard to paint a broad brushstroke that encaptures everybody in any generation. So I think that major influence on that shift between how we used to live, what I was calling traditional and newer generations is the philosophical difference now that we're in a postmodern age. Mm -hmm. And so I think that has played a key role in some of the uh, reasons why there's been this cultural shift.
1: And then when we think about these generations, and we, again, we don't stereotype and everybody's different and and maybe fuzzy borderlines. um, But do you think these generational qualities and characteristics transfer across cultures too? So
2: we um, have a gal on our curriculum team who was, if I get this right, born in Uganda or was she born in Kenya? She
3: was born in Kenya, but married born in,
2: in- Okay. So she's really familiar with those two particular cultures. And we asked her that question because she has children who are Gen Z. She has one in Gen Z and one in Gen Alpha. And what was she experiencing both in her own children, but also in those cultures that she's familiar with? And she said that we're they're dealing a lot with the same issues, mm-hmm. and I think that's because we have such a global culture now. Mm-hmm. So I think the impact is a little less um, on them, but we she's seen at least a lot of the same, mm-hmm. the same things that we're struggling with here that they are the young people are struggling with in her cultures as well.
3: Really, we see the world changing in 2008. We, we start seeing the first iPhone come out. We start seeing the first uh, global, you know, I think Facebook is coming out around that time. Um, mm-hmm. Major elections were happening during that time. I, it, it was just a a changing world in 2008. And and from that point, we became a global. It's the same way that TV changed the Vietnam War, right? Like it changes everything when you see everything at, at an instant. And so you're probably not seeing as much change in countries where it's closed, uh, or where they're filtered, um, or censored, right? But in the countries where we're not having as much censorship, probably going to see the same type of thing that we're seeing in America with the generations. I, I do want to make the comment that, uh, you know, our, our typically our generational, uh, the, the you know, the way we view generations is usually before they're adults, right? Um, so uh, the immature millennial, Versus the mature millennial, it, they, we see a big shift in millennials. Once they become adults, they, they, they learn responsibility. They learn these types of things. And so, um, I think first off, I think we have to remember that, um, that we're going to see a shift in Gen Z and it's going to come within the next like three, four years because a lot of them are entering the workforce now. Um, and, uh, a majority of the workforce will be millennial in just a couple years. Um, if not all of it, you know? Um, and so, um, all of it being loosely turned, you know, never hundred percent, but <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, so I did want to make that comment before we think about it. You know, um, we shouldn't be fearful of millennials being in leadership positions because of the way we saw them as kids. Um, right. Cause we had a lot of issues as millennials, as kids, we, you know uh, we also went through a lot, but um, um, yeah. So that's the way I try to think about it with leadership. I think we have to remember that they're different than they were when we came up with these categories, um, mm-hmm. and that will help us respect um, leadership that are that is younger, more understand that they're maturing just like we you know and I'm saying we but <laughs> I'm one of them right that's maturing still um because <laughs> we don't mature until like 35 right no <laughs> um so I'm just I'm making a joke. I but don't
1: suppose I don't think I've matured yet. I'm still hoping it's yeah yeah right me. yeah no yeah.
3: Uh, <laughs> but yeah um so I think just to start off like remembering that they're not who they were when we gave them these categories of generations like they're different. Um, and they've grown into them. Mm-hmm. Um, we did uh,
2: a little fun uh, exercise at our team meetings where we pulled in Gen Alpha slang words and to see who could figure out what they meant. So that was fun.
1: What were a few of those, just for fun?
2: Uh, sus, what's is it? what's sus is that?
3: How you say like suspect? Yeah, like uh, that. That's that's. I I, I don't. I, there's something wrong with that. So like, there's something going on there. Oh. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. <laughs> I'd have to look at my notes. I don't really read Yeah, them.
3: there there is like um, you know, slay, which is just like you're killing it. Um uh there's a couple that have changed, um right? Like so something I would have said means something completely different now.
1: I guess this is is groovy still in? Just wondering.
3: Only because I
2: still say it, but no, it is not in.
1: We got to start an effort. I mean, all of our fashions are back in style. We got to bring all of our slang back from.
3: I think it will actually. I, I think you'd be surprised that it'll come back. Maybe for mm-hmm. a month. Maybe for you know. So yeah, it's just, a month. like it, it can be a word that becomes important for just a couple months and then it's gone. So
1: mm-hmm.
3: no cap. No cap. That's the other one. Yeah.
1: What does that mean?
3: Um, that's like, uh, like I'm not lying. That that's it, if you say no cap, you cannot tell a lie. You have to say the absolute truth. It's like a sacred word. Um. So, um. Yeah. So if a kid ever tells you that, like they're probably telling you the truth. Does that mean they are? Because they're sinners, probably not all the time, but
2: yeah.
3: <laughs> but uh, yeah.
2: Bop is bop is another one. And what's that? A really good song.
1: Yeah, yeah, I am yeah. <laughs> um, learning a lot right now. Yeah. yeah, someone might flex.
3: Flex, yeah. That's been a that's been popular for a couple of generations. So.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, good heavens! What does it mean? I still don't know.
3: Like, like you're showing off. It, it's like uh, you're showing off. Uh-huh. It's like you're flexing.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Another one they might say is mood. Yeah.
1: How do you spell that? M O O D. Just M-O-O-D, mood and what does it mean now the same here that yeah. they they're sharing your
2: perspective or what you want to do that kind of thing
1: okay yeah. well there we go we're learning <laughs> there you go yeah right yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about that older and younger again all of us whether we work for entrust, trust mm-hmm. but as christians we do want to be as Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, too, the things you've learned from me and trust to faithful men and women who will mm-hmm. teach others also. The process of discipling, equipping next generations. I mean, that's in the old teach your children as you go along the way. How how can we just be conscious as whatever generation we are of what are good things to keep in mind for really investing well? In a generation younger, or one or two or three generations younger, especially as followers of Jesus.
3: Yeah, I I mean, relationship um, is the biggest one. Um, They um, don't—I know it's like a phrase we use a lot, like they don't—they don't care about what you have to say until they know how much you care, type thing. But um, really, if if you don't have a relationship with them, they don't care about what you have to say.
1: So be genuine, be sincere, like really genuine,
3: and be available. Um, right. Be willing to, to mentor. Um, they, they love, they actually do love mentors, but it has to be somebody of value to them. Um, and so if you're not a value to them, um, it, it, what you have to say won't really stick, you know? Um, and, and I think one thing that we have to keep in mind is that as the generations go, they get more spiritually open. So Gen Z is the most spiritually open generation there has ever been. The only issue is spiritually open means they're open to everything. Um, right. And so anything that makes their faith better, more, uh, you know, uh, more effective is good. So if that means that they want to pull in things from Buddhism into their Christianity, they will do so. Um, and so you have to be careful with, uh, you just have to be available to tell them what the truth is, but you have to care first and really genuinely care, not just care for their soul, right. Not just so you can win their soul type thing, but, um, so that, you, you just care about them mm-hmm. and spend time with them.
2: One of the things that we've um, noticed in equipping women is in mentorship, they do really like mentorship, but it's a little more specified. Uh-huh. So maybe they come to you with questions about family and children, but they might go to someone else on an issue of faith. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think as older generations, we need to be willing to adapt to that. And just because, they're not asking us questions in that one arena doesn't mean they don't appreciate the area they are asking us questions about. So that fluidity is something I think we have to become a little more used to, to really come alongside the younger
1: generations. And is it good to, um, as a quote, older person approach someone who's younger, who we already have some relationship with and say, hey, let's start getting together. Or is it better to wait for the younger one to come to you and say, hey, I want to learn from you?
3: I think it's a difficult question. Um, Right. I think each kid is going to be different um, with that. Um, Like some of my students, I, I say, hey, let's go out to coffee. Right. And they can say, I don't have time for that. And they'll let me know. Or if I know that they're canceling on me, they're probably not interested um, because if they're willing to go to another mm-hmm. commitment over your their commitment to you, that means that's more valuable to them. And then that's where you just kind of suck up the pride a little bit and just be like, that's just not where the Lord has in in that relationship. Um, so you can do it that way. Um, I think if a student comes up to you, that definitely jump on that opportunity, <laughs> right? Because mm-hmm. that doesn't happen often. Yeah, I mean, I asked my student this yesterday. I was actually out to lunch with one of them. And, and I said, what could I do better? And he says, I think you could crack more jokes with us at the beginning of the school year. Like be a little bit more lenient, you know, which as a teacher, you're told to not be lenient the first couple weeks. You have to be strong. But to them, they're like, if you're more lenient with us, we're going to like you a lot more, you know? So you're just kind of like, huh, <laughs>
1: what
3: what's going on here? You know, and, and so, um, you know, something so simple, just cracking some jokes with us like even though it's a serious moment of teaching like Mm -hmm. crack some jokes with us you know feel you know feel more comfortable with us uh -hmm. and and we'll feel more comfortable with you so
1: i like what you said what you did also you showed humility in just saying hey how can i be better how can i be a better friend or help or mentor to you that's a humility and an excellent question maybe to ask someone who's younger than you Mm -hmm.
3: yeah you gotta be careful Um, But it can't it can be right. You don't want to show up and start saying that to every kid, because then they're like, this guy doesn't know anything. So you also want to be careful. I think
2: it is helpful to read about generations. And I'm not sure that I have any particular book that comes to mind. Um, Probably also articles are a good source. But So you need to read to understand the generations at the same time, not holding any given person to those characteristics, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because we're all individuals, but it does help to understand the general things about them. And then mm-hmm. you can see how that person reflects those and doesn't reflect them.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I think also we we need to understand truth well and be mm-hmm. able to articulate what is truth and why it's important. Because Mm -hmm. there has been that shift in um, everyone has their own truth now. Mm -hmm. And why is that not a biblical idea? And what does scripture have to say um, in relation to that? So if we want to be able to influence younger generations, we've got to be able to talk around that and understand what they're dealing with, why they might think that. You know, I could I could just say, you know, kind of wave my hand at them and say, you guys are hopeless. Or mm-hmm. I can come alongside of them and begin to challenge their understanding. And one thing they will look for is, am I living out the truth I proclaim?
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: that's a real important aspect, which is good. The accountability for me <laughs> is that that's a great thing, right? To be living out what I say, I believe. Mm-hmm.
3: I think. I think the the generations today have gotten better at reading people and reading if you're if you're saying a bunch of they don't care about. It's not that they don't care about truth. It's that they don't care about truth if you're not living that truth out. So if we're not living correctly, they're not going to care about what we have to say. Um, Or if we're not living in conjunction with it. And I think this is going to be a lot tougher for American uh, believers um, Mm -hmm. because we have so many liberties Mm -hmm. in America already. Mm -hmm. um, We don't quite understand the, the depth of some of the truths that we talk about. I think, yeah, I, I'll just reiterate what Trisha said, um, like we, we know general things about generations and we can't attribute those to every one of them. But what we can focus on is motivation. Um, and so how can we um, contextualize um, and bring truth to their motivation? Um, right. And, and so that could be safety. That could be uh, the world. And we just have to think about the motivations behind what they do. Um, because each one's a a mature Christian millennial is going to be a lot different than a non-mature non-Christian millennial, or even a mature non-Christian millennial. So Mm -hmm. it just, everything changes, uh, depending on what their worldview is, all those things. So, Mm
1: -hmm. and I think
2: speaking to their values, culture, I mean, each generation has some cultural values that they hold to and understanding what those are and learning how to, um, articulate how the gospel speaks to those. And how the gospel is the answer to the
1: things that they're longing for. Mm -hmm. And we're going to find those values by looking around online, reading articles, reading books about these different generational groups. Talking to them. Right. Talk to them. Listen to them.
3: (laughs) I would even, if you're not interested in it, just just let it go. Like move on (laughs) to somebody else. To You know, somebody will be. So if it's something you're not interested in, um, that you're not really, you don't really care about and it's something that they care about, um, they're gonna know that you don't really care about it, even if you pretend to engage them in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the hard part, is um, you have to be genuine in your, your interest as well because then it's just you faking it until you get them to do what you want them to do. It's it, To them, it's manipulation. It's not, it isn't, but to them, it could be that way. And so you gotta be, you have to be genuine
2: one idea that I'm thinking about is this whole idea of influencers. You know, that's a big cultural change for us is to see, you know, you can spend hours on TikTok or uh, even Facebook, they come up now on Facebook of people that are, you know, the 20 best products to buy at Amazon or, you know, how to dress, you know, there'll be someone on that. And it's like, I wonder what's in there that we could, tap into as we look at these other generations? Because the influencer idea has taken root, right? So I don't know. I mean, I've just started thinking about that. So I don't have any answers yet. I'll be sending an email to Jeff to think about this. (laughs) (laughs) How can we do this, Jeff?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like seeking to position and trust as an influencer on like, Christian practices or something along those lines or Um, I don't know that I'm seeking to put us in that
2: position but it is true that we may have something to say and how do we say it you know we can perhaps I don't know it's it's a little mysterious at this point exactly how we'd use it I think if we tried to put in trust in that role that would be an authentic but I do think there's some aspects of that that it's worth thinking about. Jeff will help me.
3: Yes. <laughs> right, I don't know. <laughs> We're not in social media, mean and Cherise, so we might not be the right people, but... Uh... <laughs>
1: There's a question though, too. So we think these younger generations, all they do is just live in social media. But I know more and more people like you, Jeff, who say, well, no way. I don't even, I don't go there. I'm not on Instagram. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on TikTok. I mean, so is that a trend as well away from social media to some extent?
3: I I think it might just be personal views. It's just personal. Like we just don't enjoy it. Um, and we have an inclination to be absorbed by it. And so it's part of our, I think in our, um, cycle of maturity, maybe, uh, that we just are trying to limit that time, but I'm a big YouTube person. So I'm working on limiting myself on YouTube right now, you know? So it's kind of like, I'm, I'm not involved in the Facebook that, but I am involved on YouTube a lot. So it's just kind of learning those types of things. You have different inclinations. I don't enjoy being a product.
1: I'm guessing you're not the only one in your generation.
3: I I think there's more awareness right now. So I think a lot more people are leaving social media for that, but but Gen Zers are not. Mm -hmm.
2: Well, it's interesting, even as we look at millennials, so millennials actually, this is just with technology. And for some reason, this fascinates me. Uh, Millennials did use DVDs. You know, that's how they got their movies. Um, They had dial-up internet you know so you couldn't be on the phone and the computer at the same time um their first phones were flip phones so you know they did phone calls they did texting but they didn't have all the internet access you know and so but they still are very tech savvy and can do intuitively get around digital devices right Mm -hmm. um but we call them uh or the gen z or though their devices were all handheld they were mobile you Mm -hmm. know so i have some Gen Z like they don't own computers mm-hmm. um, per se, like a personal computer like I do. They have it's all on their phone and they do everything on their phone. And uh they're more what we call mobile natives, you know. So you've kind of seen a shift even in the generations, uh, these three younger generations of how they use technology and what they're familiar with. And then Alpha have never they don't know a world without internet, without a smartphone. So those are the our kids. So yet to be discovered what that looks like as adults for them. But uh, there's been a lot of shifting even in those three younger generations of how they use technology and what they're just automatically wired to do.
0: You've been listening to a dialogue between Jeff Hurtak, Tricia Lambert, and Lori Lind about generations, each with its own characteristics and strengths and needs. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast yet, do that today so you don't miss the next episode when Tricia and Jeff get into the spiritual status of various generations. How might we all be more informed, more intentional, and more prepared to serve upcoming generations and their spiritual needs well? Get ideas next time on Entrust, Equipping Leaders.